Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Pastor, you notice as we sing that song that... Uh, Everybody seemed to be at the same place at the same time all the way through the song. Now that's great. Now then, let's take our Bibles and we turn to the book of Acts and the 25th chapter. And I want to speak to you uh, on the subject almost persuaded but not quite. Almost persuaded, but not quite. Through the years, we've seen people who have come to it appear to be, to me, they were almost ready to make profession of faith in Christ, but they didn't. Seem comes from the well, I'll be back next Sunday. Generally they didn't even never come back. Never came back. Oh, it's good to see sometimes people come in the very first time. But we ever see them. There they come in, they hear the gospel, and they got saved that first service. That's a glorious thing. You see that sometimes. Don't see it a lot, but you see it once in a while. It was the year 1984. It was a warm summer day. Larry McDonald listened attentively as the gospel was presented by his mother's minister. Larry then told the minister, I'm just not ready to give up all the things that I enjoy doing now. Four days later, that same minister conducted Larry's funeral service. Larry had been drinking and he wrecked his car. That, my dear friend, is a true story. That's a true story. As far as I know, he was never saved. Here in our text, there's a man named Agrippa. Agrippa sealed his doom when standing nose to nose with eternity 
He opted for the alternative later. Which never came. Sitting the stage here, this will be my first point. In Acts chapter 25, verse 23 through 27, and toward the, here, the end of the book of Acts, Paul faced a series of six trials in which he defended his faith and gave the basis of his belief. And for this final trial, Luke sets the scene for us. In verse 23, the A part of the verse, the place. The place is simply called an auditorium. It was a courtroom, lavishly furnished. Let me tell you something, folks. I've not been back in the New Testament, but they had nice things back then. Lavishly furnished courtroom, finest drapes at the windows, the floor, beautiful floor, the walls, wood and all. It's beautiful, no doubt. And there, he gave the, the basis of his belief. And for this final trial, he sets a scene for us. And we find the people in verse 23. This is chapter 25. I'm in the book of Acts, chapter 25, verse 23, and the B part of the verse. The people was actually its principal people of the city. King Agrippa and Bernice entered this courtroom with great pomp. It was a showy parade for them when they came in. Can you imagine here in this room we're in right now? Have a aristocratic man, a man of great importance, comes in. He has an entourage of others that are with him who comes in and sits down among us. Maybe we have a special spot here in the auditorium for them. Well, Paul was here in this same group. He stood in striking contrast to these men. They were all well dressed, you see, in the best that money could buy. <laughs> Apostle Paul, there he stood, 
chained, shabby. Can't you imagine what he may have looked like? Maybe need to be shaved and so on. I don't know. But that's the way I got him pictured in my mind. The purpose in verse 24 through 27, Paul had been on trial five times before. So why again? Well, it's because before a Roman citizen could be granted an audience before the emperor, there had to be a written charge based upon an investigation in verse 26. And this hearing we find here had been called in order to, to provide that, that written charge, this investigation. Now I want you to notice number two, Paul's defense before Agrippa. In verses 1 through 23, in this text, Paul delivered one of the most significant four minute speeches ever given before a body of lost people. He began by questioning, gesturing with his hand, getting the attention of the people. I can just in my mind, I can, I can see him doing it now as he stands before the people and he's doing what he can to get their attention before he begins to deliver this message. And once he had their attention, he made only a brief introduction and then asked the king Agrippa to listen patiently. Let's notice the components of that message. He says to him in verse number 3, I beseech thee, hear me patiently. And once he's got their attention, he begins by talking about his life before he met the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 26, verses 1 through 11. Paul didn't begin with condemning uh, attitude at all. He emphasized Agrippa. Uh, uh, he didn't begin by emphasizing Agrippa's uh, sinful lifestyle. He just begin here. Uh, let's look at it in verse one of chapter twenty-six. 
Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself, I thank myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. Especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews whereof I beseech thee to hear me patiently. He says in verse 4, My manner of life before my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, they all know me, which knew me from the beginning in verse 5, if they would testify that after the most strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. For Paul was a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God, our fathers, under which promise our twelve tribes intensely serving God day and night, hope to come for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which things also I did in Jerusalem in verse 10 and many of the saints which I did shut up in uh, prison having received authority from the chief priests, and, and when they uh, were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even to strange cities. You know what? As you read verses 1 through 11 here, the Apostle Paul, he was a wicked man. He was a very bad man. And he did some very bad things. My, my, what a man he was. He tells about his life before he met Christ in verse number 11. And uh, 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 chapter 26, verses 1 through 11. And he begins to tell about his own life. That was before he met the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you what, folks. It's amazing the change that comes in a man after he meets the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was one such man 
You talk about a man whose life was changed after he met Christ. The Apostle Paul's life was changed after he met the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh me. He was honest and transparent in his account of the early days of his life as a Pharisee. And he was the one that he told being honest and telling how he persecuted the church and put to death those who proclaimed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in verse number 10. Agrippa himself, I want you to notice this, that Agrippa himself came from a family of people who murdered Christians. His great grandfather ordered the death of babies during the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. He ordered that they might be death, might be killed in their infancy. That was Agrippa's uh, great-grandfather. And then Agrippa's great-uncle had John the Baptist beheaded. And then Agrippa's father had James executed. And then he had Peter imprisoned. So we find here that the Apostle Paul built a bridge, if you please. He built a bridge from his own life to Agrippa's by establishing common ground. He wanted the king to hear the message that he believed that was important. Oh. You see... Agrippa came from a bad family. He needed to be saved. That's what he needed. So we find the conversion experience here of Agrippa in verses uh, chapter 26, verses 12 through 18. Paul continued by recounting his own experience on the road to Damascus in verse number 12. He says, Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, 
Why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. His words imply that he wasn't looking for a conversion experience. He had come to Damascus to fulfill a purpose. <clears throat> to do away with all who proclaimed Christ. There are those who said that they were trusting Christ. He was come there to do away with them, to kill them, get rid of them. My, my. What a horrible thing. He then told of how the light shone from heaven. He heard a voice speak to him in verses 13 and 14 and that voice was Jesus. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You see here, Uh, hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He wanted the king to understand what was, uh, what had happened. Uh, he's gone there to put to death those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul tells me what happened here on the road in verses 13 and 14. But I want you to notice that Agrippa never interrupted Paul. He simply listened to what he had to say here in verse number 3. That's what he says. I beseech thee to hear me patiently. And that's what Agrippa's doing. He's listening patiently. And so Paul continued to tell this same story that Jesus had appointed him to be a messenger of the Jews to the Gentiles and telling them of the Lord Jesus Christ who once was dead but now lives. 
And now we still have that same obligation, that same opportunity. And that message is the Gospel. How that the Lord Jesus Christ lived here on this earth. He's the Son of God. He lived here on this earth and He died on the cross of Calvary. Three days after He died, He rose again from the dead. And He lives ever since. He lives today. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living. He lives in my heart. We can say that because it's true. When a person comes to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ moves in. Wonderful to know that a person can be lost and empty as can be, but then they come to a place of repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus comes into their heart and He's there to say, You are a professing believer. I believe about everyone of you here. That means the Lord Jesus lives inside you. Your life and my life may not be perfect, but the Lord Jesus is inside of us. He walks with me and He talks with me. We're never left alone. He's always with us. We thank God for it. Let's all stand together, please. Brother Leon Arthur, it's good to see you here. Would you lead us in our closing prayer? Father, again, we thank you for this day that you've given us this side of eternity. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Christ and what it means to us. We pray for one another, those that are sick and afflicted. Pray your will be done in our lives. Hey, lead us, and we'll certainly praise you. We ask you in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Oh, <laughs> <laughs>